Good morning, friends. It is so good to be back with you this morning. I feel like just doing what the kids did on that stage and just jumping up and down for a little, a little bit. But it is it's a pleasure to be back with you. It is a pleasure to be your next uh, senior pastor officially now. That is an exciting thing. I couldn't be more excited about that. Uh, although I, I will have to admit, you did mess up our summer travel plans when you voted in our favor a few weeks ago. So, ah, darn you, church. But we are excited. The girls are back home. We are in the middle of packing up the house and getting ready to move this direction. And it is going to be such a joy and a delight to be with you week in and week out. I'm sorry that we were not here this week for such an incredible week. It is our joy and our privilege, right, our pleasure to be able to teach the next generation the truth of Christ and to put in them the seed of the word. And so I'm just so grateful to all the volunteers who helped this week with that. Uh, you did a service that you probably will never see the fullness of. Uh, so thank you for the countless hours and the energy uh, that you put into them. Uh, but we are honored to be a part of this community. Uh, I promise the next time that I am here, I'll have two beautiful little girls uh, with me. Everybody keeps asking about Bailey and Cassia. They, they just want to meet them. They don't care about me anymore. And that's as it should be. So I promise the next time that they will be here. Uh, do me a huge favor. This morning, I think it would be appropriate if you turned to somebody uh, next to you and you said, I can't believe they're going to let someone like me into heaven. You just go ahead and do that real fast. Just turn to somebody next to you and say, I just can't believe. Now, if you would, do me another favor and turn to another person and say, but I really can't believe they're going to let someone like you and to have me, that's one thing. But I, I don't know. I don't know about that. Let me pray for our time together, our time in the Word, and then we'll just jump into it. God, love this church, love these people. We ask that now you would move and breathe in this place and that you would do something like you did at Pentecost, where you spoke to each of us in our own way and transformed our lives for the good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to share a word with you guys this morning that I heard about 15 years ago, and it's just stuck with me ever since. I can't get it out of my head. It was this New Age monastic preacher from Abilene, Texas, who wears all black and has less hair than me, if you can imagine that. And this word changed my life. It infused me with so much hope and energy and passion. My prayer is that it will do the same for our church today. And as I've been learning about the West Bowl's story and the West Bowl's, their history, it seems like this is a word you all know very well. And so my prayer is that this word will continue to be a part of who we are. Uh, the word is found in 2 Corinthians 1. Before we read the text, let me give you a little bit of context into what's happening here. The Apostle Paul is a man who led a lot of people to Jesus. He taught a lot of people about Christ. He started a lot of churches. And so on one of his travels, he promised some friends of his at a church in, Corinthian, or the church in Corinth uh, that he would stop by two different times to go and visit them. Once on his way up to a place called Macedonia, he'd stop and say hi and hang out with his friends. Then on his way back from Macedonia, he would stop and he would see them again. So two separate visits on, on the same trip. Well, some things happened. Some things uh, fell into place or kind of fell apart, and he didn't stop by a second time. He changed his plans. And so some in the church began to criticize Paul for this. They began to speak negatively of him. They say that Paul couldn't be trusted, that he was fickle, he was fake, he was indecisive, he was erratic. They said that Paul doesn't care about us. He didn't stop by twice. Or that Paul says yes, but he actually he means no. And this is Paul's response to all of that. You may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I make my plans carelessly? 
Do you think I'm like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas and Timothy and myself, we preached to you as God's ultimate yes. He always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen ascends to God for his glory. It's God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us. He's identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a first installment, guaranteeing everything he's promised. Now I call upon God as my witness that I'm telling you the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from a severe rebuke. But that does not mean that I want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together with you so that you will be full of joy. For it's by your faith that you stand firm. There's a lot going on, and let me take a few minutes to try to unpack what's happening in this text. Every generation has its own unique set of slang words, doesn't it? The things that the cool kids say, that the nerdy kids try to say, but kind of mess up all the time. So if you lived in the 1960s, you most likely said things like boogie down, cherry, or you dig. <laughs> By a show of hands, anybody remember saying those things? All right, I mean, maybe not a show of hands. I won't, I won't embarrass you, but in the 70s, it was funky, chill, be cool, psych, and dynamite. In the 80s, it was dude, be cool, gnarly, diss, and you didn't say hello, you said Sup. In the 90s, you might hear someone say something like, let's grab some grub, all right, dog? In the early 2000s, we were introduced to shorty, bling, and fat, P-H-A-T, fat. And more recently, you might hear someone say, whatever, you awkward hipster. All right, so every generation, every generation has these words, these slang words, these terms, and what I wanted to do with you this morning was share three words that I hear at Pepperdine all the time and that you probably hear all the time here in our youth building. Where's, where's my youth group at this morning? There's some youth? Okay. All right. Y'all have given me some doozy of words to choose from as of late. Here, we've got hashtag selfie, swag, meme. I mean, there's a lot of great words out there. But here are three that I hear a lot. The first is a lovely little word that's going through an identity crisis right now. And that word is Literally. Everything right now, right? Every situation, every experience, everything you do has to be intensified and boosted in some way. So we literally say literally all the time now. Is that right? Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec is probably the one to blame for this. Right? A character from this show literally says that word all of the time. Here's the problem, though. You're not literally going to explode from excitement at seeing Mumford and Sons perform live. That's messy and illegal in most states, okay? <laughs> you're not literally dying of laughter after watching Modern Family. The show is great, but you're not going to pass away. You didn't literally just wake up or sprint here from home. Maybe you woke up late, but it didn't happen exactly as you said. A, recent, a student recently told me that she literally bent over backwards to help her roommate out. I decided to have some fun with this. Tell me exactly how bending over backwards helped your roommate out. She seemed confused. Is she an anatomy major? Or is she trying out for the circus? 
Is she a gymnast or maybe studying physics? Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't really do that. I just literally did that. (laughs) That was the student's response. She walked away confident. I walked away thoroughly confused. We have butchered the word so badly that Webster's Dictionary recently declared the word now also means figuratively. (laughs) I kid you not. It means literally and literally. Literally. The second word isn't actually unique to our current generation, but it's just one I think that they say a lot more than we used to. The word is maybe. Maybe. Now, you might not think you say this word all that much, but you do. Are you attending this event as seen on Facebook? Here are your options. Attending, not attending, and maybe. Maybe attending. Maybe. Maybe. What do I now know that I didn't know before I asked you the question? What new information did you give me with that? Would you like to go see a movie with me sometime? Maybe. Okay, is that a yes, a no, a heck no, a give me more time, a not if my life depended on it, or I can hear the wedding bells ringing off in the distance? What what is your answer to that question? I had one student tell me the other day when I asked if she would be attending a certain event, It's a definite maybe. (laughs) Again, she walked off confident. I walked off confused. You see a trend developing here? The third slang term that we use a lot today isn't actually a word as much as it is something that we do to words. We use the word literally because we literally have no idea what it means. We use the word maybe because we have major commitment issues. And we do this to words because we're just flat out lazy. And this is cut words in half. Let me give you a couple of examples. Death. Definitely, just for those of you that didn't know that. How about perf? Perfect, okay? We've got cray-cray. It's crazy, which is weird because cray-cray is also two syllables, so you're not really shortening anything. Just say crazy. Obvi, not so much, no. Uh, Probs, not sure if that means you've got problems or probably. Maybe it just depends on who you're talking to. It can mean both at the same time. I actually heard a kid tell his friends the other day on campus, you want to go grab some Chick Nugs at McD's with me? <laughs> Chick Nugs at McD's. It's like the evolutionary process is going backwards. Soon we'll be... <laughs> <laughs> but there is a word out there, church. Oh, there is a word that will never go out of style, a word that will always change people's lives. And I think it's God's favorite word and a word that he uses all the time. And the word is yes. Yes. Will you marry me? Yes. Will your parents have to sell off one of your siblings literally to help pay for the wedding? Yes. Yes. Did the church vote you in as their new senior pastor? Yes. Well, all but one or two, so maybe, maybe. Is your new baby girl healthy? Yes, she's perf. (laughs) Do you believe in God, Cassie? Yes, absolutely. See, I love the word yes, and I think that God loves that word as well. God doesn't say things to us like literally as if he needs to exaggerate what he's trying to tell us. He doesn't say things like maybe because he's still on the fence or keeping his options open. And he doesn't shorten words because he's lazy or he doesn't want to clue us into what he's really trying to say. God says yes. 
Yes. Look again at 2 Corinthians. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are all a resounding yes in Jesus. All of God's promises are fulfilled with a yes in Jesus. According to one person, there are over 3,500 promises throughout the pages of this book. 3,500 declarations that God has made that we can now believe in and trust with absolute certainty. 3,500 pronouncements that will be fulfilled, that will come to fruition. 3,500 yeses. God promised Adam and Eve he would cover their shame. He would ultimately destroy the consequences and the culprit behind their sin. And in Jesus, God will forever say yes to that promise. God promised, no, he will never again destroy the world with water, but now will instead infuse it and cleanse it and cover it with living water. In Jesus, God will always say yes to that promise. God promised Moses and Daniel that he will deliver his people from evil, from pain, from destruction, from fiery furnaces that we walk into ourselves or that we are thrown into. And in Jesus, the answer to that promise is always yes. God promised Jeremiah he will specifically orchestrate his people's future so that it is good, so that it is meaningful, so that it is abundant. And in Jesus, God will forever say yes to that promise. God promised his disciples he wouldn't leave them orphaned or abandoned after he left, but he would infuse them with power. And in Christ, God will forever say yes to that promise. Are you seeing a trend here? In Christ, God will always say yes. The promises that were made back in the day, way in a, in a different world, they are somehow now through Jesus just as true for us as they were for them. They matter just as much to us now as they did for them. But most of us, I'm afraid, don't really believe that to be true. 3,500 promises, yeah, they're outdated, they're irrelevant, they don't really matter to me right now. Oh, but church, nothing could be further from the truth. You see, these promises and the yes that God is giving to you is exactly the word that most of you need to hear right now. Was the world, including you personally, were you handcrafted? Do you have incredible meaning? Do you have incredible purpose? Guess what the answer to that is? Yes, in Christ. Are you more than just a random assortment of cells or mutations? Are you more than just accidental pond scum? What's the answer, church? Yes, in Christ. Is there anyone out there who really cares about you, who's listening to you, who understands what you've been through, what you're going through right now, or your fears about the future? Church, the answer is yes, in Christ. Will you ever be able to overcome your past, the things that were done to you, or the things that you did to others and to yourself? The answer, church, is yes, in Christ. Is there something more to this life than just sex, or stuff, or success? The answer, church, is yes in Christ. God, do you care? God, do you see me? God, do you hear me? God, do you know me? Are you still around? Yes, 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 and yes. God's answer to you is always yes, a resounding yes in Jesus. But how do we know that for sure? How do we know that all 3,500 promises are answered with a yes? 
Well, if God didn't care, if God thought you were awkward, if he had commitment issues, if he were lazy or confused, if all roads led back to him, if heaven and hell weren't real, if God didn't think that you mattered, or that he, if you weren't cherry or dynamite or fat in his eyes, if you didn't have swag, if he didn't literally love you with his entire being, then he wouldn't have done this for us. This is how I know God says yes to me. It's cray-cray, but it's true. God loves you with his entire being. And his answer to us will always be a resounding yes. In fact, he said yes to this so that for all of eternity, he could say yes to us. So 1 Corinthians 2 invites you to hear God's yes. Maybe you've never heard a word from the Lord before. Maybe the Lord's voice for you is distant or undetectable. Or maybe you assume that what your deadbeat dad or your loser boyfriend says to you is the same thing that God says to you. Words like, you're not good enough. Try harder. Or just a flat out no. I need you to hear something this morning. I don't want you just to hear it. I want you to believe it in the depths of your being. God's answer to you, his word to you, his first, final, and most important word will always be yes. Yes. But in addition to hearing and responding to God's yes, I think this text challenges us to do something. I think Paul here challenges us to be God's yes for the world. See, it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to be it. It's amazing to me that although one of God's favorite words is yes, the world knows Christians primarily for their no's. Don't smoke, don't drink, don't dance, don't chew, and definitely don't date any girls who do. <laughs> Christians are known for saying more far often, more, or far more often than they are for saying yes. And I think what Paul is trying to communicate here to us is that our first word, our final word, our most important word, our amen, which just means yes. We should be saying that for the world. What the world should be hearing from us is yes and amen. See, Paul was primarily concerned about the church's health, about their joy, about their unity. And so he had to say no to a second trip because he was saying yes to something so much bigger. But all they heard was the no. All they focused on was this no. Paul's trying to say, I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying yes to my love for you. Don't focus on the no. Hear my yes instead. I think a couple of modern day examples will help. Now that I'm officially hired, I can say some crazy things, right? We're going to go cray cray. You wouldn't fire a guy in his first week, would you? Okay, yes. <laughs> I've created a monster. I have heard and been teased quite a bit about the fact that Colorado folk like to smoke pot. And I imagine that most Christians would immediately respond with, no. No, we don't. No, we don't like that. No, we don't do that. No, we don't believe in that. Our first, our final, our only word in that conversation is no. And I understand why. I get that. But how could we live out 2 Corinthians 1 in this text? How could being God's yes manifest itself in that conversation, in that situation? Could we not start by saying yes to the desire that people have for rest, for escape, to relax? Could we not start by saying yes to the desire to break away from pain, 
to break away from the problems in this world, to find community where you can share life together. Rest, peace, community. I can say yes to all of those things. And in fact, I should say yes to all of those things. Those drives, those passions, those desires, I say yes to that. And then I say no to the expression, to the behaviors. You see, God says yes to peace. God says yes to rest. God says yes to community. But it comes through Maranatha, which is the word for God with us, not marijuana. See, and if you're so filled with the latter, you don't have any room for the former. And so I'm saying yes to you because I want you to have rest and peace and the spirit. I want you to be filled with power from on high. And if you're filled with something fake, with something fickle, with something finite, then you won't have any room for the infinite. So I say yes to the big. And only then will my no make sense. But if I only start with no, and then I begin and end, and all they hear from me is no, they'll never see or hear or be exposed to God's yes for them. Well, let's just go a little bit bigger. How about abortion? Again, Christians typically lead and end with no. But again, how does this text, how does 2 Corinthians 1 challenge us to maybe speak a little different, to have our amen and our yes be the word that we use? Couldn't we say yes to a woman's body, to a woman's heart, to a woman's rights, to a woman's free will? Couldn't we say yes to the difficulty of raising a child in certain situations? Or, or couldn't we say yes to the enormity of what's about to happen or to the regret that you might have experienced in the, in the past or the fear that you have towards the future? We can say yes to all of those things. We can speak yes to fear and pain and uncertainty. And when we start with a yes, only then will our no make sense. Only then can we say but no to the act. Again, we say no to this one thing because we are in fact saying yes to something so much greater. Yes to life. Yes to help. Yes to mentors. Yes to adoption. Yes to redemption. Yes to God using an unexpected birth to bring unexpected blessings into this world. I say yes to that. And after I've said yes to that, it's easy for me to say no to this. But you see, if you flip-flop those, it doesn't make much sense. The world is so full of no's, is it not? Signs and banners and decrees that say no and don't and stop. The world needs a few more amens, a few more yeses. And God says, my people, that's the word I've given you to share. That's the word I want you to use. Now, I'm not saying this is a license to go out and be absolutely cray-cray. All right, this is not for you to go do a ton of nuts, destructive things. Like, my pastor told me I can say yes to everything now. Like, yes to that extra box of Krispy Kremes. And yes to quitting my job and playing video games all day. Yes in Jesus. Okay, don't, don't hear me say that. What I do want you to hear me say is that God's first word to you, God's final word over you, will be a resounding yes. And I wonder what it would look like for us to exemplify that for this world. So my prayer for our church, this community, is that we would be a yes church. A 2 Corinthians 1 church. Where the world hears us say yes to them and their needs and their wants. I don't want us to get all excited about words that come and go. I don't want us to get distracted or enamored with all the other cool hip words that are out there. I just want us to remember and be all about one word. Yes. Let me read 2 Peter over you and pray. Peter ends his 
his, his letter with these thoughts. His divine power, he says, has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who has called us. Through all of his great and precious promises, we can participate in God's nature and escape the corruption that's all around us. So Father, we lift this text and this prayer up to you now and ask that your divine power would be poured out into us and that it would give us everything we need to live for you and to bless and change this world. Would we cling to your promises? Would we know that every single one of them has been answered with a resounding yes? Would those great and precious promises infuse us with life and hope? And would we in some way share your yes, your amen with the world this week? Thank you for saying yes to us. We now say yes to you and yes to doing what you need us to do in the coming days and weeks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, it's a, it's a delight to be with you every single week. I can't wait to be here permanently. Come join us tonight, five o'clock. We're gonna have a, a really wild time. I have no idea what this is gonna happen tonight, but I know it's gonna be fun. So please join us then. It's been a blessing to be with you. Have an amazing week.